Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London with me, Toby Gillis and Rebecca Myers. Vladimir Putin is trying to persuade ordinary Russians that God is on their side in the war with Ukraine. We'll try to answer the obvious question, why? Invading a neighbouring country on the pretense they're Nazis and a threat to your very existence doesn't, and for clarity this is my opinion, although probably also most of you listening, seem very Christian. In Russia, though, Vladimir Putin is weaponizing the Orthodox Church to bolster support for his war in Ukraine. And some of the imagery in the Times foreign correspondent Mark Bennett's piece on this is remarkable. The opening paragraph alone really grabs you as he details this unusual area of propaganda. Listen to this. The Russian soldier had the pro-war Z symbol on his uniform and a halo around his head. Behind him, angels soared through the heavens. Nearby, another soldier cradled an automatic weapon in front of an image of Jesus. A caption read, Christ defeated hell and so will Russia. The other piece examines how one of Vladimir Putin's major allies, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, Patriarch Kirill, is promising Russian soldiers who die in war that all their sins will be forgiven. Posters are plastered around Moscow saying, if God is for us, who's against us? But Mark Bennett's told us it's not exactly getting complete buy-in, even from others within the church. Priests, Russian Orthodox priests who speak out against the war, and there have been many, around 300 signed an open letter condemning the war have been punished in various ways. None of them have been physically disappeared, but they've been barred from holding services, suspended from holding services, and some of them have been fined by the courts for discrediting the Russian army. Uh, A priest told me that he is ashamed and bewildered at what's happened to the church right now and how it's become an instrument for war. And if the priests aren't even convinced, then what about the public? When you consider the Soviet Union officially used to be an atheist country, it seems surprising Putin is using this tactic to drum up support, especially given he was a KGB agent for the Soviets. But since becoming president, he's repeatedly stressed the importance of his faith. I guess it's up to you if you believe him, but Mark adds that the general population may not be aligned with him. So is it even worth Putin trying to persuade them in these godly terms? The influence of the church seems to be declining. Ten years ago, two and a half million people attended Christmas services in Russia. This year, it was 1.2 million. Um, There's also the strange phenomena that while around 65% of Russians identify as Orthodox Christians, 
Some polls have suggested that for them it's more of a matter of identifying as Russians rather than Christians. One poll revealed that 30% of Russian Orthodox Christians weren't actually sure if there was a god or not, which I guess says it all. I guess when you're fighting an unpopular war, maybe any method of trying to drum up support is worth a try. Donald Trump. Is it possible to do an episode without him at the moment? Um, He's lost another court case, but there's a difference with this one to most of the others you've heard about recently. It was held in the UK. So the former president wanted to sue a man called Christopher Steele. He's a former agent for MI6, the UK's secret intelligence service, who, back in 2017, and remember that date because it is important, released a dossier alleging Trump took part in what are described as perverted sex acts in Russia and bribed Russian officials to keep quiet about them. These are claims Trump has always denied. It is a significant case in some ways because it relates to allegations Russia interfered in the 2016 US election. But Trump brought it to London's High Court, claiming the dossier was inaccurate, breached data protection laws and was, in quotes, extremely distressing. It got dismissed on Thursday morning by a judge who basically told him the last part was ridiculous and also questioned why it took so long to bring. The Times' Seren Hughes followed the hearing and told us Mr Steele's firm, Orbis Business Intelligence, successfully argued this was about political leverage. They said that the case had been brought to a vendetta against Orbis and this former MI6 agent. Um, They said he had a deep and intense animus against Mr Steele and Orbis. And they also said exactly that, that he has a long history of repeatedly bringing frivolous, meritless and vexatious claims for the purpose of vexing and harassing perceived enemies and others against whom he bears a grudge. And as of now, I don't think he's commented on it on Truth Social or anywhere. Obviously, he lost the uh, E. Jean Carroll case. Well, he had to pay damages last week. And then there's obviously lots more coming up in America, which I think he'll care about a lot more, as those will be the ones that his American audience will be watching, not this one in the high court in the UK. Now, that last point Seren made, Rebecca, interests me because, of course, Trump often suggests cases being brought stateside are politically motivated, attempts by the left to discredit his attempt to become the next president. But this one being brought in a different country that by its nature can't have that impact, well, I guess a bit of me wonders whether in some ways his supporters may be more likely to take that seriously. It would certainly be interesting to hear Trump's views on that. But as Seren says, unless it starts making headlines across the Atlantic, perhaps this one he will stay quiet on. If he doesn't, the Times will certainly be updating the story. It's transfer deadline day in English football today, a final chance for teams to strengthen squads for the rest of the season. And yet probably for the first time ever, a transfer from another sport entirely has usurped almost anything that could happen in footy today. Lewis Hamilton, the joint most successful Formula One driver of all time, is going to the most historic and iconic team in the sport, Ferrari. When this came out earlier, it was an absolute bolt from the blue. Uh, should that be a, a read from the red, mm. given the new team? <laughs> Just stick to the proper saying, I right. think. Right, <laughs> OK, so a bolt from the blue, or a handbrake turn, if you will. So big, get on with it. Okay, yeah, okay. Uh, he's been with Mercedes since 2013, where he's won all but one of his seven titles, and only last year signed a contract through the 2024 and 25 seasons. But it turns out there's a break clause, and he's now signed for Ferrari, who most people think has a better chance of getting him back to winning ways, although he doesn't go till 2025. 
It is a move for the romantics in some ways because Hamilton is level with Michael Schumacher for world championship titles, whose own success came in the red of Ferrari. So could the Brits overtake the German while driving for his team? The Times' sport reporter Charlie Tablet-Smith says it's a risk. You know, he's the seven times world champion. He's 39. Uh, he wants an eighth because uh, Michael Schumacher won seven and he's the, they're the two sort of history boys. Uh, and he clearly doesn't think the Mercedes, who've got him six, well, arguably all seven, because it was also their engine in the McLaren car that he won in 2008 with, he doesn't think they can get him the eighth, and time, he probably feels like time's running out. You don't, not many world champions in their 40s, I can think of one, I think, Fangio. So uh, he, he's making the move next year. It'll be fascinating to see what happens this year, because obviously Mercedes <laughs> is going to be pretty gutted. They will put all their energy into George Russell. But then next year, Ferrari will be, well, I mean, they'll be pumped. They need to get their car sorted, and they probably need to get their pit stop sorted and stuff that the car itself Ferrari seems quick but their sort of team management is oh. questionable that him and Charles Leclerc that that's an interesting kind of package to maybe finally stir up Formula One and, uh, and rival Verstappen because it's been a bit of a snooze fest for a couple of years now hasn't it you have Verstappen who Charlie mentioned there is Max Verstappen the Dutchman who's simply dominated the last two seasons driving for Red Bull but Hamilton's new team Ferrari are by a distance the closest to challenging them It's not often that Elmo, the Sesame Street character, makes the news in the Times, sadly. (laughs) But this week, the furry red monster posted on Twitter, just checking in, asking, how is everybody doing? Um, Well, the answer was not so great, Elmo, actually. The tweets had 16,000 responses, many of which are pretty glum, ranging from Elmo, we're tired, to tales of divorce or job losses, climate change anxiety too. It's had 195 million views by now. And even President Biden responded, saying, I know how hard it is some days to sweep the clouds away and get to sunnier days. Our friend Elmo is right. You have to be there for each other. Even though it's hard, you're never alone. Elmo himself, or itself, says he's glad he asked. Is he he? (laughs) Elmo learned that it's important to ask a friend how they're doing. Elmo will check in again soon, friends. So we may have traumatised it, but we've all learned something. (laughs) More sad news too, I'm afraid now. Uh, We're leaving you. Not forever. Back tomorrow, of course. So thanks for spending 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you then. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.